Hi students, I hope your parents are also joining us to see the researching of colleges today, which is going to be conducted by one of our own students, Mania Gupta. We're going to start in just a little bit because um, I, I want to give a couple of more minutes for the rest to join. I am hoping that the whole purpose of this is you understand what goes into making college lists and believe me, better person than Mania to teach you. So let's give a couple of more minutes and then we'll start. I think we can start now. So good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and our dear students. The beauty of today's webinar is there is no need to promote because each one of you are already a part of the Accept You family. And frankly, that's how I wanted it because this is such a precious one hour that you're going to have. I've um, known Mania, I think, for over three years now. Mania, of course, was an international student from an IB school in Jaipur, but that's not what makes her special. What makes her special is the fact that she is extremely determined, crazily committed, and the joke that we always talk about Mania is she got 36 on 36 in her ACT, and she came to meet Stephen in Jaipur, and she was reading out her grades, and 
Stephen was like, wow, you've got 36 on 36 in ACT? Maybe you need to take it again and get 37 on 36 because that's how incredible the student has been. She's also a world debater and, of course, a champion for years around. She applied on financial aid, although her parents were absolutely fine. She was like, no, I want to deserve my education. And uh, she got into UPenn with scholarships. She chose to take a gap year. And the incredible amount of work she's done during the pandemic to help her city is incredible. And she will be going to spend this year. But the reason she's with you all today is her research on colleges was phenomenal. I wish I could say that we were a patch on her. We weren't. And which is why, please keep your pens and papers handy or your laptop. Write down whatever y'all want to understand. If y'all have questions, Mania is saying she'll give at least 15 to 20 minutes for question and answers at the end. But even after that, if anything is left, email it to us, WhatsApp it to Ninad or me, and we'll have her answer. But please don't start overwhelming her on LinkedIn or any other aspect, because a poor child is getting ready to now finally go to U.S. So with that, Mania, I cannot thank you enough for this. And the next one hour is totally yours. Hi, everyone. Um, thank you for the extremely generous introduction. Um, we'll be talking today about the process of researching for colleges. And just for some context, uh, this is going to be most applicable for people applying to the US uh, because that was primarily where I applied as well. It'll be also most useful in perhaps the 10th and 11th grade, but obviously if you're a 12th grader, like doing research for your wider college, essay, et cetera, that will also be, I hope this can help with that as well. This should also be something that can help you finalize your college list and we'll be discussing the ways to use research to do that as well. I also want to point out that research is, while important, it's not the number one thing to do to get into college. It can absolutely help and can help strengthen other pillars of your application, like the list you end up making and some essays that you end up writing and how you position yourself in interviews. But that said, if you are running behind on like writing your common app essay, then it's very easy to end up spending all your time researching colleges on whatever part of the internet you've found information on. But that shouldn't be your number one priority. So just to sort of put this in perspective, I think it can be really, really useful. But I also think it needs to be balanced out with other things that you're doing in order to make your application work. Next slide. Thank you. I want to start by talking about why we're doing college research in the first place. The reason I want to start with this theme is because it's very easy to just consume tons of information, but not have it actually serve any purpose. And I think there's two primary reasons to do college research. And these will later translate into things that I just mentioned, like your interview or via essay or list. But before that, while doing research, you're one, trying to find colleges that fit you. So that both means that once you have a sense of what you are looking for, in colleges, you are able to find things that match that, but you're also trying to find colleges that work for you in terms of what they require in an application. Let's talk about each of these in detail. In terms of finding your fit, this is something we hear about a lot, but can be quite difficult, especially if you're an international student who is unable to visit a campus. 
it can also be really hard to know what you want. And therefore, at least for me, it was really common to just end up randomly consuming tons of information about colleges, like just going through an infinite loop of more and more information without really knowing what I'm looking for and not having a sense of, okay, if I get a piece of information like this place um, tends to have bigger classes, I don't know if that's something that should make it, that, that means I should rule it out from my list. I don't know if that means I should deprioritize it. I don't know how important it is to me. That is why I think in order to start with college research, before that, you want to begin thinking about what your preferences actually are so that the process of researching colleges can serve a purpose in that you are constantly using the information you are getting to change what you think of places and how much you like essentially like them and whether you want to apply to them or not. For me, something that was really helpful in this regard was thinking of colleges as places I really like that fit most of my criteria, that fit some of them, but maybe I need more information, or that I definitely feel like this is out, even if it's a popular place. Um, in order to do this, I think it's important to start with defining what those criteria are for you and what your parameters are. So that means having a sense of what sorts of college size do you want? What sorts of location do you want? what sorts of culture or academic opportunities matter to you. And some ways to do this are Googling like prep scholars questions to think about when making a college list or discussing with your accept you mentor what sorts of things you actually want and then using that to guide your research. So for instance, if you feel fairly certain that you're going to hate a big, big school and you want to apply to schools primarily under the size of 3000, that means that when you are doing your research, you can use that as a filter to just keep ruling out places that don't mean that that don't meet that. Otherwise, it can get really overwhelming to keep essentially researching all these places without a sense of this is a complete red line for me. This is important to me. This is something I want information about, but isn't like a isn't something that's going to rule something out or bring it into my list. So I recommend starting by defining these parameters and thinking about what colleges fit you. Another really good place to do that is the FISC guide, the F-I-S-K-E guide. Um, a lot of college, a lot of high school libraries will have an edition of this. Um, you can find an edition online as a PDF, either for free or if you want to buy it, it, just if you do your searching correctly. The second thing to think about when doing college research is specifications regarding like the application process. This includes things like financial aid, like for me, this was a huge thing. There were a bunch of schools that I felt somewhat interested in, but I knew they were really bad at providing aid, so I didn't apply to them. Or there were schools that I might have felt a bit mixed about, but I knew they were more likely than others to be generous to international students. So that was a big deal for me. So there were also some schools, especially public schools that don't accept the Common App. This could be a good thing for you if you're already maxing out your 20 limit on the Common App, which I personally wouldn't recommend, but if that, that could also be a bad thing for you because that also means more effort to apply to them through their separate portal. Um, it's also useful to think about things like what your school's history with it um, in that if a school has already accepted someone, if, if a college has already accepted someone from your school, that often means that they're more open to applications from your school, et cetera. So it can be useful to think about that too. This also means thinking about logistics like do they need an additional subject test and what does this mean for your process? For instance, Cornell, uh, I don't know if it still does this, but it used to, during my cycle, require more subject tests than a lot of other places. 
And doing this research preemptively really helps you set your deadlines and ensure you're meeting those requirements. The other thing to think of is also broadly, what do they say they're looking for? Or what does it feel like they're looking for? This is hard to do specific research for, and we can talk about ways to do it later. But in general, this can mean things like, I've heard, for instance, that Stanford is more open to essays that feel a little bit quirky in a way that Princeton might not be, or that Brown, because of how much it cares about its open curriculum, really tends to like students that are artsy or that have like a bunch of varied interests that they think can really be fulfilled by the open curriculum. Who's like Borden have said to counselors, and this is something I learned from my accepted counselor, that they really care for values like heart. These are things that aren't going to like make or break what application you send to them, but it can help you when you're trying to figure out what should the 10th thing I put on my activities list be, or which of my recommendations do I send, want to send to this college, because you already have a sense of what they care about. Next slide. Once this preliminary information is in place and you know what you are looking for, both in terms of the personal criterion that you want to meet with the place and in terms of the logistical information you are seeking about them, we can then talk about how to actually begin to get this information. The most obvious sources are the ones currently on the screen. So the college website, for instance, uh, the admissions websites, which are often uh, separate, like I know Penn, Cornell, and a lot of other school, bigger schools tend to have uh, like a different website for uh, prospective students, wherein they will provide a broader overview of what the school is like and offer tools specifically made for prospective students, while the college website tends to be more in detail about things that might seem a little bit more boring, but I, I would argue are extremely important basic information sessions to just get a sense of what they prioritize and some of this logistical information can be really useful. Um, and ways to find out about them are things like newsletters. So if you sign up for the mailing list of lot, a lot of the colleges that you're interested in, you'll often find out if they're doing a webinar or if they're like visiting your city or things like that. So keeping an eye out for things like that is also often really, really useful. There's also just the major websites that most people know about like niche.com or Unigo which tend to have more personal reviews of colleges. Like if you decided in the first in the first step that you just cannot stand a school that will seem very extremely competitive and cutthroat, then if all of the niche reviews for the school you're looking at say that this is extremely toxic culturally and you don't then that should be a thing you should consider strongly. And these websites where students can give their reviews can be an interesting, very easy to browse place to begin to get that information. Um, there's also their social media, which is useful because it's a, obviously really accessible, like it doesn't require a lot of additional effort to find out that information. But B, I would argue that the social media is useful because they will often have very timely updates on there that you can't find anywhere else, that they're not going to put into their like mailing list. So for instance, an example of this for me is Bates College, um, which is a small liberal arts school, um, was making a new science center that they're going to launch in fall 2021. Um, I think I found about this from their Instagram or one of their social media pages, wherein they just announced that they recently received like a huge grant to develop this new science building that's going to be one of the biggest science buildings in the state or something like that. And I remember bringing it up with the admissions officer when I met him at um, 
an event at, at, at a college fair, my school had hosted. And that was something they were like noticeably impressed by. And that type of like more informal, but still really interesting seeming updates, are things you can often get from their social media. The social media is also a useful way to get like student profiles, wherein they'll often have like a student do a takeover of their Instagram account, or they will uh, have like a link to one of their blogs wherein they'll in depth discuss a student. And that can sort of help you imagine the trajectory that you can help them see you living in the future. So if you find a student that does a lot of things that are things that you might be interested in well, interested in as well, you can use some of those examples to write your wider college essay or begin thinking about what this place has to offer for you. Newsletters can also be really interesting as a way to like figure out the vibe of the school because schools do very different newsletters. Like Swarthmore and New Chicago tend to do really, really weird ones wherein they'll have some sort of joke or quirky anecdote that they uh, organize it around. And my wise Swarthmore essay actually ended up being like based on one of the question and answer structures in one of their newsletters. So it can also be an interesting way to sort of understand what the general culture of the admissions office there is in a way that other sources might not be the best at actually sharing. Next slide. I want to talk slightly in detail about how to approach a college website. I recognize that it might, this might seem obvious to some of you, but I think that a college website and specifically going through it deeply can result in a lot of really interesting findings. If you go to the Amherst website and you straight up go to the admission and financial aid, then you might not find out more interesting things about uh, what they actually have to offer. In my case, I was interested in public health and I wanted to apply um, to study public health in places, basically. And I know Amherst as a small school didn't have a global health major or minor. Uh, however, it, by click going through like the website, clicking on the academic experience, clicking on the five college consortium in the drop down menu, then in the five college consortium page, finding an area talking about the programs and certificates that the 5C consortium offers, and then discovering that they actually have a really solid program in culture, health, and science, uh, and even in like um, reproductive health, both of which were things that I was very interested in was really useful because then I found this website which had like a compiled list of all the courses that Amherst offers that are culture, health and science related, a really solid program with a lot of faculty across five places and so on that I could then bring up um, in my application in different ways. And all of this helps both them see um, that you actually are interested in their college, but can also help you sort of figure out if this place actually offers what you want. Uh, a lot of people might think that a liberal arts college isn't a good fit for them because they want something really specific to study and they offer very few majors. But doing things like um, extensively actually looking through the options they offer can help you realize that there is still like enough to really pack four years with, even if it's not as much as maybe like a four-year university. And in order to find out this information, really exploring their website and not uh, disregarding huge parts of it can be pretty useful. Next slide. Regarding academic research, I would recommend looking into specific majors. Uh, and, um, and when looking at majors, a lot of places will ask you what you want to study and why, and will ask you for a lot of detail on what you want to study. 
this is going to be different across places. Brown, for instance, doesn't want as much information about what you want to study and why as Cornell does. Um, and in some places, they might have a program that is slightly unique or um, has specifications that it helps to actually fully understand when claiming that you want to study it. For instance, Cornell offers this global and public health major, but they offer it at two of their colleges. They offer it in the College of Human Ecology and the College of Agriculture and Life Sciences. And for me, going through their website in detail and being willing to like do a deep dive into specific major pages, looking even at the boarding seeming stuff like what the course requirements are for different majors, especially for places that you're seriously considering, can be useful to make a stronger case for why you want to study something. A lot of places, for instance, will have like a page about what our graduates are doing. So if you say you want to study something like sociology that you've not studied in school, but you want to make a solid claim for why you want to study it, going to that major's website to understand these are the courses that it involves. This is roughly the structure. This is just generally the vibe of how they organize their page or what their graduates tend to be doing. Can help you determine if the admissions office will take it seriously that you say you want to study this thing or not, or if they'll think that you're like making it up. Obviously, don't make these things up, but sometimes when you're applying and you don't know fully what to apply for, you might be making some of these guesses to make your guesses more credible, uh, especially when it comes to the major that you say you want to study. Ensure that you've done some previous research into that major and what it actually involves. Next, I'm one. just gonna. I'm just going to add in here, Mania, for a moment. <laughs> Students, this is really important. I think the largest issue that we've seen is 50% of the children say we want to do computer science. But what do you want to do in computer science? How do you want to make it relevant? If you really go deeper into the program, you'll probably know that there are 20 different programs and there are two or three that interest you. This is not just for your YSA, this actually makes your chance of getting into the program a little better as well. So this is something you must realize. And thank you so much, Mania, for bringing it out. Then yeah, you can move on. And just as a quick addition to that, like for instance, Penn offers a lot of programs in a couple of schools as well. Like they'll offer, a lot of places will offer like computer science in their engineering school and in their arts and sciences school. And it's useful to understand what it, what that actually means. Like, are the requirements to graduate from those schools different? Why are you interested in one more than the other? What's the different culture in those schools? And why should you apply to one instead of the other? And often they'll have like specific tracks that can help you make a good claim for why you want to study it, especially in more popular majors. Like a lot of places offer an anthro major, but um, Penn has like a medical anthropology and global health track within their anthropology major and having information like that can be really useful if you say you want to study this at this place you can make a more specific case by saying i want to study this at your school because you offer like an ecological and evolutionary biology track while most places will force you to take like a lot of coursework in molecular bio which i don't care about with the second part of academic research, you also should have some level of research into like courses and professors. This is especially common for people to bring up in their uh, YX essays, wherein they'll name some professor and they'll name some course. But I think admissions officers can tell when you're just naming a course and you don't know what that course involves or what the professor does. In order to actually know that, 
a lot of places have directories. So rather than just like going through a website and looking at a course's name and then being like, you offer an introductory computer science course. That, that yeah, but so does every other place. In order to find more specific courses that might be upper level courses that you can look at the descriptions of, I would recommend looking for course directories. So uh, one of these is a screenshot of Penn's directory. A lot of places will have downloadable PDFs. Um, like Vanderbilt has a very big PDF on their website. That's that's huge. But you know, if you scroll scroll to your major, you can look at all the courses that are offering that year in your program, uh, and you can find maybe like a more specific upper level seminar and say that no other place has a class about birth culture and technology, and that might actually be true. And uh, and that can be more interesting. In these directories, they will also have like a description for courses, which I would recommend reading uh, rather than just naming a course. Admissions officers usually like don't know that much about each course. So it's not like they're going to be very suspicious. But if beyond naming a course, you also have one line saying, I want to study the Asian Caribbean at Penn. I want to take this class at Penn because it's going to explore XYZ themes that I care about due to ABC things I've done. That's so much more useful than saying I like classes like this number, that number, and that number, because that's obviously something that you've just copied from the website. Um, with respect to professors, I know this seems like overkill, and sometimes it is, but it can be. It, you would be surprised by how rare it can be to find a professor with interests very similar to yours, uh, and a lot of places. Like when you go to college, you will probably like have multiple, many, many professors you interact with, but you will probably end up with like three to four really close mentors. So if you're able to convince the admissions office that there's a couple of really great people at their place that you think are that, like they share all your interests and you would absolutely love to work with them, then that's also a really useful thing to point out. And it's also really useful for you just in general because having a faculty mentor who um, has interests that really line up with yours can be very useful and not all departments will have that. This is especially true for departments that like anthropology or sociology, which can be, which can mean a lot of different things. Like you can have an anthropology department that focuses on South Asia. Uh, and if you're interested in that, that's great. But you can also have an anthropology department that has zero professors interested in South Asia. And, helps to be able to make that case and do that preliminary research. I also think professors can be really interesting as people to interact with. They won't always be open to interacting with pre-shosh because they're extremely busy, but sometimes they can be. So for instance, with the professor on the screen right now, um, I thought I shared a lot of interests with her and one of the readings that she says, she, one of the things that she's worked on that she lists in the scholarship section was actually something about um, India and I think sex work. And I had uh, written a paper about commercial surrogacy at some point. And by extension, I was also really interested in like laws around prostitution and um, the anthropolo anthropological approach to studying it. And I think she'd mentioned somewhere that you can like reach out if you want to read the paper and you can't access it, which a lot of professors do if, it's, uh, if they themselves care a lot about paywalls and things that are bad things. So I did actually email her and I got access to her paper and she was really, really, really nice to me. And I then then ended up mentioning her in my write-up essay as what I think professors at this institution are like. Like they're very open and I and 
a lot of them line up with my interests, which is something I know because Professor Sara Pinto did this thing for me that was very nice. And finding this type of personal connection can be really useful, especially if you're an international student and you don't already have like faculty contacts and um, you haven't visited the place. So something else to show that you have a clear emotional tie can be found through this. Next slide. I wanted to now talk about some less traditional sources of gathering information. A lot of the sources I mentioned you know about, right? Like you know that a newsletter exists and a college has a Instagram page. But I think there's also other routes of gathering information. These are not necessary and you shouldn't do this for every single school that you're applying to. But if you're making a decision about what school to apply ED to, or if you are make if you are finalizing your college list and you know you want to apply to 15 schools, but you're really confused about whether you should pick like this one or this one for the 15, then maybe you want to like go a little bit deeper. Or if it's a school with like the 650 word YAC essay and you want to be more specific and have some more anecdotes, then these sources can also help. Next slide. So these sources are more extensive. One of these, um, so the first one is affiliated websites beyond just the college website. Um, for Penn's case, which is where I'll be attending, this means that rather than just looking at Penn's College of Arts and Sciences website, I can go onto the website of the Center for Advanced Study of India which is actually one of the biggest centers in the United States for the study of South Asia, but isn't like, uh, isn't directly, a, and it's the center at Penn, but it's not like a within the main website or within the admissions website. And on that center, you can find information like, wow, this place has like really extensive camps and very, very deep ties with India. And that's something I want to study. So I can say that the fact that Penn has CASI, uh, the Center for Advanced Study of India is, really clear for me. Um, so going to these websites and finding out like what these uh, centers can do can also be really useful because this also can indicate that this is like a department that's very strong at the school. Like if your college has a center for research into um, neurological law, which I think like Vanderbilt has some version of that, but that means that they care about this thing as a thing to study. And that means that they are pulling a lot of faculty that care about this specific issue. And in a way that's actually really rare. So if you scroll through center lists, you can end up finding out about the research priorities at that place or what sorts of niche strengths that they actually have are. Because a lot of places will have like this really specific center that you'd be surprised even exists, like a center for study for the study of aging. But that, the fact that that center exists and is well-funded indicates that they might actually have courses or faculty that care about this thing a lot. Um, graduate school websites can also be really interesting. Um, for instance, since I was interested also in like biology and medicine and things like that, uh, Penn Medicine's website can give me some like information about what things, because I know Penn undergrads can often like do research with grad school professors. If I say that like Penn has a very interconnected ecosystem and they have really, really, really great schools in things like medicine or law, 
then those things can also support my claim that I want to attend here even as an undergrad. The second thing is admissions blogs. This is different from the admissions website and not every place has this, but some places that do, I think, I think these are very fun to read. So um, Penn has an admissions blog, Dartmouth has a really great admissions blog. Um, I can't think of more places off the top of my head because it's been a long time since I applied, but these can be really great because what they have are student bloggers, so current students, writing small, small articles about their experiences and so on. And the reason they can be so interesting is that they'll be on very specific things. Like someone will be talking about, as an international student who moved to Penn, why do I like this place? Or they'll talk about course registration, or they'll talk about the grad school class that they took, or they'll talk about their full four-year experience. And in doing so, they'll mention a lot of emotional memories like, uh, I really loved that time I went to eat breakfast at McClellan with my friends at 3 a.m in the morning and that was really nice and looking through like these mentions of locations and of students experiences that can sort of help you actually develop like a real picture of what this place feels like and it can also help you find out like really interesting facts like students will often mention things that they themselves were surprised by which is useful for you to uh, as something niche to mention maybe in an essay or for you to understand as well what a student experience of this place looks like and if you can sort of see yourself having a similar experience like for me differentiating between the quarter system and the semester system in my head is really difficult as someone who hasn't attended college yet but reading student accounts of Dartmouth's blog uh, and Penn's blog can give me a sense of oh, okay someone's taking three classes a quarter here someone's taking 4.5 here and here's how it's different for them the next thing is reaching out to admissions officers, professors, or administrators. We'll talk about this a little bit more in detail uh, in the next slide, so I won't talk about this now. Um, there's also just Reddit and College Confidential. These are very risky and can easily become things that make you extremely anxious. So I wouldn't recommend spending all your time glued to Reddit trying to get every single update of every single person in the world applying to college. Instead, there are some things that you can find that can definitely be really useful, like the subreddit applying to college. Uh, rather than like subscribing to the subreddit and reading everything that comes up, you can use the search feature to find really useful things. Like a lot of current college students will do question and answers um, on places like are applying to college. And in those Q&As, you will find people who have the same questions about that college asking those questions. Like you will, if a Harvard sophomore is doing a Q&A, you might find someone in the comments to that post asking that person about whether, um, yeah, what they've found about like mental health services there, which might be something that's hard to find on the website. Or if it's a school that's known for stress culture, like Cornell or Penn, you can find really honest responses since it's an anonymous website, uh, wherein like a senior is giving this advice and you can get like an accurate representation of that experience. I would still recommend not taking these things too seriously because it's still just one person answering it, but it can be a really great way to get very specific forms of information and get answers to questions that you have about places. Like if you just Google pen Q&A or whatever in, um, uh, you just put that into the subreddit search bar. There's also college specific subreddits. Um, 
like Penn has one, a lot of smaller schools will not have that active one, uh, but a lot of big schools will have really active one. And they might have pinned posts wherein students who are deciding whether or not to attend or incoming students are asking a bunch of questions. Uh, so I've seen subreddits wherein they'll be, they'll have like a pinned post about congratulations on getting accepted, put your questions on this post. And then like hundreds of people who actually attend will have answered them. So that can help if you don't already have a contact at that school, then that can help you get that information instead. Uh, applying to college is also useful as a subreddit because it has a lot of just general broad generic information. Like uh, you can find things like um, people's mock timelines or uh, just gen some general thoughts that can be really useful. So if you already know what type of thing you're looking for, like essay advice, or other brainstorming prompts, then there's a, a surprisingly good amount of useful things that are pinned on the subreddit or you can search and find, uh, as long as you don't like let yourself get sucked into it. The first thing is additional webinars. So there's, apart from just admissions webinars, a lot of places will hold like slightly admissions related but strange webinars. Like um, I, I remember when a lot of women's colleges last year held a combined webinar, right? And I think Smith, Zelsley, um, and definitely, and I think Scripps and a couple others were in attendance. And they were all just talking about, like, specifically what the women's college experience is like. And that was really useful for me because I know that that's not, like, I don't, I didn't personally know anyone who had been to a women's college. And finding specific thematic information ended up being really useful in making my final decision about whether I wanted to apply to those or not, and to actually get really specific questions answered as well. Uh, I think YouTube can also be a surprisingly really good source for uh, information about colleges. Like it really was for me. Um, I don't mean college decision reactions, so I know you will probably end up watching some of them. I know I did. Uh, binge watching them is probably is definitely not healthy uh, at all and can be extremely stressful. That said, you there's so many college YouTubers now. Like for every school, there's at least a couple of people whose YouTube channels are about that college, at least for more popular schools. And they, they'll have great information. Like um, they'll often have Q&As about why they picked it and what their experiences there are like. Um, some of them will have like admissions advice specific to that school. Some of them will often like interview their friends and help you develop like a really good picture of what that school is like. And even blogs can be useful. Uh, I think they can be, they're definitely less useful than a lot of like more important sources. But honestly, if you just want to do something that's like college app related and you don't have a lot of energy, blogs are fine sometimes. Like I remember looking at some pen blogs and getting the sense that oh, it's not that hard for people to go into Philadelphia and to interact with the wider city. And it definitely seems a lot easier than it is even for schools like in Cambridge to go into Boston. And that ended up being fairly big for me uh, as something that I was personally drawn to. And that type of information is hard to find because, um, yeah, it's not like necessarily something that would be like upfront on that college's marketing, but can help you develop a picture of what an average student's experience here is like. Obviously, take these with a grain of salt as well because it's just one person's like lifestyle there and isn't indicative of 
the full school. Um, the next thing is college newspapers or magazines. So Penn has the Daily Pennsylvanian, uh, Yale has the Yale Daily News, uh, Harvard has the Crimson, etc. And these can include a lot of things that completely aren't related to your actual college app process, but can include some interesting relevant things. So these don't hurt to scroll through either. Again, they're not a primary number one source to go to if you have a question about college applications, but they can help you sort of get really interesting insights about that place. Um, like early last year, when a lot of colleges were having a conversation about how they should change grading uh, to accommodate for COVID, then a lot of their student newspapers had really intense debates in article format on those newspapers. And you can tell by the decisions that the college takes or how much, how receptive it is to students or what complaints students tend to have, because that's what a lot of these newspapers are. They're like, Penn should stop doing this or you Chicago should stop doing this. And then that can sort of give you a sense of what the actual real complaints that students have are, because colleges will otherwise go to a lot of lengths to avoid that information getting out. Um, and these uh, newspapers I found have very uh, well organized ways of actually understanding if any problems, what those problems can be at these places. Um, and even student magazines can be interesting, like Penn's College of Arts and Sciences has this magazine called Omia, Dartmouth has Dimensions. Um, they won't give you like very specific facts, but again, for generally picking up on the vibe of the school, how much they engage with students, how easy it is to design your own program. Etc. they can also be interesting sources. The eighth thing here is talking to current students. So this one can be um, hard if you don't know a current student, but if you're able to find someone through you or through your own school's alumni network um, or through like a friend of a friend, then they can be great people to talk to if you have really specific questions. Like for my Brown application, I was unsure between two specific majors. I think they had a public policy and another major that sounded very similar, and I couldn't tell what the actual difference is. Um, and talking to a student really helps with that. And these students can also help with uh, people to read your essays, especially have you, if you have a Vyx essay, because it's really easy to make mistakes. Like in my pen essay, I remember I had written CAS a bunch of times for College of Arts and Sciences because I was running out of WordCamp. And uh, a friend of mine who's a senior at Penn pointed out that no one calls it CAS. People either call it the college or SAS, like School of Arts and Sciences, which is really weird because it's College of Arts and Sciences. But that's not a thing I would have expected. And now when I'm looking at people's essays as well, like there's a lot of really, really small things like this one that obviously aren't going to make a huge impact on your application. but can be like nice things to polish out so the admissions officer doesn't like feel a bit like, oh wow, mistake. Um, and it doesn't hurt to be on the safer end by getting in touch with these people in the first place. So I'm gonna shoot in here. Nina, just keep this slide. Uh, Reddit, for the parents who are a part of this blog, please don't freak out. Reddit mentions things sometimes which are completely irrelevant. And I've had parents who've turned around and told me, oh, my God, there's so much drugs. Oh, my God, there's so many safety issues. There isn't. Every college has a certain amount. But believe me, 
they way, way, way safer than any of our roads or any of our places. So when you're reading Reddit, you really need to be a little careful. Look for specific information that you want to and beyond that, don't give it more importance. In regards to the additional webinar, I want to point out to you that when Manya was working with us, she didn't have Cialfo. You kids have Cialfo, and Cialfo is a game changer. Y'all have more than seven to ten webinars happening literally every month. It's written on your Cialfo. It's just about you going there and looking at them. So please make sure you start doing that. In terms of college newspapers, I'm a very big believer of that. You get a very strong if I may say a vibe of the college through their newspapers and magazines, and that's not something we living in India really ever understand. And very often your counselor of accept you must have asked you, what kind of a place do you want to be? Is it collaborative? Is it competitive? Do you want a happy place? Do you want a hippie vibe? Do you want a lot of outdoor vibe? And all of that you'll get only through the newspaper. So that's something I really want you to do. And I have to wholeheartedly agree with Manya on the first, on this one, the talking to current students. So many times I've noticed that when you write your why essays, the way your accept you counselors will check it will be phenomenal. But that little change, that one point to two point change that a current student there could bring is, is just going to be a game changer in some ways. But remember, you can't do that for every college you're applying for. Be careful, make sure for your top three colleges, you do that homework and effort. Manya, I hope I gave you a moment to breathe. Yeah, uh, and I know I'm planning a bit late, so I'll speed up and yeah. go through things a bit more quickly. Sure, uh, And Enough. just you regarding, mm-hmm. yeah, next time. One example of, uh, I, I know the images can uh, add a bit, Small, so they might not be the most visible, but I'll walk through them. Uh, of what these deep, uh, what this process can look like is like it's hard to structure what you should find on Reddit. And I know sometimes you'll just be lazing around and like passively absorbing absorbing college information. So if you're doing something like that, um, it's important to one be storing that information on the site and to do it well. And some ways to I think do it well are like if you're on Instagram and you find Penn's Instagram account. I'm sorry, most of my examples are from Penn's, but um, you can find like a similar account section and then find more things that are related. Like I remember if I found a Penn club that was really interesting, club can be really hard to find information about uh, through websites or even through club pages, but a lot of them have Instagram accounts. So Penn has an account called, has something called the Penn Benjamins, which is a peer counseling group. But if you look in similar accounts, you'll find like the Penn Zap line like the Reach Your Peer Helpline, which does the same thing um, and is another sort of group to like know about that you might not otherwise have found about. So similar accounts can be a really cool way to find other things. Um, with YouTube, there's a lot of really, really good YouTubers. There's a lot of ones that whose honestly content won't like give you that much specific information about a college. But if you sort of know, or sort of know what you're looking for, then there's definitely ones on the other end as well. Almost all of what I found out about Dartmouth was from like this YouTuber, like Kate Joshko, and then like other YouTube channels that came up and suggested through that or other people he featured on his YouTube. 
and I initially was really hesitant to apply to Dartmouth because I'd heard like all sorts of, uh, it's really white, it's very much in the woods and very isolated, so, and there's like a really intense drinking culture, it's very satty. But like hearing from a person in detail say, I am scared about the sattiness, but here's what I like instead, or here's what the, here's what it actually looks like was super useful. And um, yeah, so YouTube can be great if you know what you're looking for. With student blogs as well, uh, can be you can accidentally end up finding really great information. Like I remember I found this one person in the Dartmouth blog called Jenny Chen. In her description, she had mentioned this thing called the Great Issues LLC. Like she said she mentors freshmen in the Great Issues LLC. I didn't know what that meant, but that sounded interesting. So I Googled it and it turned out that Dartmouth had these like living communities for people interested in a specific theme. And this was one of them. And it seemed exactly like something that I would love. And it, I think it ended up making it to my essay or somewhere. Um, and that was really useful. And I did actually reach out to the admissions office to put me in touch with this blogger. And I had a call with her, um, which was great. And almost fully like convinced me that like I really like Dartmouth as a school, which is completely not what I expected going in. Um, with Reddit, that's just a screenshot of one of those Q&A things that I mentioned. Next slide. I know reaching out to people for information can be daunting. So um, here's a couple of examples and like tips for that. I would recommend preparing specific questions that you can't find answers to online uh, because they can tell when it's like a random email to demonstrate interest and it probably won't do that much if it's, if it's not dem demonstrating real interest. So uh, do some actual research and come across questions that you can't easily find questions to and then maybe um, reach out to them. Like I was confused about, uh, so Swarthmore said that you can make your own major and they didn't have a global health major. So I was interested in just learning more about do people often make their own major? Because often that's offered as an option, but it's really logistically hard. So no one does it. And I wanted to know what the difference between like, they had like a couple of like individualized special major and regular special major. And that wasn't something I could find on the website. So it was something I actually reached out for um, information about. I also think it's great to follow up after real life conversations. Like if you meet them at a college fair uh, and you have a chat with them at a college fair, absolutely email them in a couple of days if you have any additional questions. So you will be solidified in their memory. Uh, this is mainly true for small schools. It's like this won't matter to the Princeton's admissions office, but it might matter to like Smith or Colgate. Uh, I also think admissions officers are like usually the best place to send questions, but you can ask other people like if you have a question about specifically if undergrads can get involved with their another academic program, then uh, you can reach out to people that head that program. Um, yeah, this likely won't change what your decision is, but again, it really doesn't hurt. Um, and it can be a good opportunity to set up additional conversations. Like I remember once I emailed Tufts with questions and they said that I might actually want to reach out to one of their current students from India. And uh, I don't think I ended up doing that, but again, it's a good way to actually get these contacts and schools on the smaller end or schools that are slightly unpopular, uh, like that are popular, but not like, like a top 10 school. So they still want to put some effort into getting applicants. They can actually be, very enthusiastic in engaging with you rather than giving you nonsense automatic replies. Uh, next slide. 
yeah, this is another email example of like emailing a specific program about whether undergrads can get involved or take classes in a JAG program. Next slide. I wanted to talk about organizing this research as well, because I think this is this makes a huge difference. I think it's so easy to spend many hours on JEDIT just scrolling through college confidential or, or like just scrolling through college confidential or like looking at a college's Instagram and think you're doing good work for your application. But usually you're not and you're just checking yourself out. And the only way out of that is actually making that information usable and doing your research intentionally with specific things that you are looking for before you go into a research session. So don't just be like, I want to learn more about, uh, or just like, I just want to do college research and then just do whatever you want in the intent for an hour. Uh, in order to make it more efficient, you can go, I want to figure out if the colleges on my list are like how they differ in terms of the mental health services that they offer. And then you can sort of focus on that and then maybe save the rest for later and like put it in somewhere. Tips for organizing research, um, keep it really accessible and consider different methods. I bookmarked a lot of stuff into a bookmark folder called colleges, like it's uh, a screenshot of that is here. My biggest so place to store information was in OneNote and later in a Google document, wherein I had an index for schools that I was strongly considering, considering that I want to research sometime, uh, that I want, and just general thoughts on other places that I probably wasn't applying to, but I had done some research on and then was like, nope, and then I moved them there or other thoughts in general, which included like my criterion or things that I wanted more information about later or stuff like that. And this ended up being really useful because often I would watch a YouTube video and then I would forget it. But if I had like a place that I knew I had to take notes for everything, whether it was a YouTube video or a website search or like a Reddit comment, then I could copy paste things into it or I could take a screenshot or I could like copy the bullet points from a video. So. And I could then use it every time I was preparing for an interview or writing an essay or actually making a final decision between like schools in my consider list and I had to make a final decision for what place I want to apply to, then that really actually helped as, a, as like one place with all that information consolidated. Next slide. Um, here are some general tips on managing overwhelm while researching. Limit the time that you conduct research in. So literally like have like, I will only research for one hour. Uh, conduct more specific research only like once you have like a broad idea of that school, like you've attended a webinar or looked at their admissions website. Recognize that not all sources are equally beneficial. Like this very diminishing utility as I went lower in my list. It can absolutely be helpful to do, to get like to read through everything on the Yale Daily News website but it's very much not necessary and is reading that additional article when you are very tired and you have a ton of things to do is not going to change your decision that much force yourself to make calls on the go like if you are confused between two schools you can't just keep i i don't know if this is a problem other people have but i would often just like use that as an excuse to spend hours just researching about them in a way that isn't actually changing my decision so you need to acknowledge like what are you confused about and then do specific research on that and then just make a decision rather than just stretching this out and having like an infinite research loop i would also ask you to acknowledge that you just can't have perfect knowledge of a school like some context for me is i did all of the things that i mentioned in this 
CBT, but Penn was very low on my list. Like it was a school that I initially thought I was applying to, uh, mainly because they had like reasonable financial aid and a lot of debaters I knew had gotten in. So I thought that maybe they're more open to debaters than other schools. Uh, and I got into Penn and another school that was very high up on my list and I ended up choosing Penn. And I, so I think like I, you will A, do a lot of research once decisions come up, but also like you just won't, you will never know perfectly what your four years at a school will look like. No amount of Reddit posts are going to tell you that. And that's, that's fine. You can still make really good decisions with limited information and that's just a part of this process and it'll still be okay. And if there's one thing I learned from like doing the amount of research I did is that colleges are more similar than we think and that it is very possible to have a good experience at the vast majority of places if you just know what you want to do there and if you um, like know what academic program to look for, like you would be surprised by how genuinely wonderful and with some bad things, most colleges will end up being. And it's okay if your research process is imperfect, basically, yeah. Next slide. Cool. I am done and I'm open to any questions. Wow. Mania, I, every time I hear you, I get so inspired. So I'm a proud parent here when I hear Mania speak. But students, I really am glad that you almost, almost all of you stayed till the end. I hope there's a crazy amount of learning you've done. Um, since it's just us, y'all can actually unmute yourself and ask questions if y'all want. So anyone, you, you guys want to raise your hands or just unmute yourself? Okay, I see a question from Mahesh. Mahesh, just a second. Okay, I have two questions here. One is, could you please specify where to find these sessions on CALFO? Uh, Mahesh, you can check on CALFO. You will get to know. And if you still have a problem, Evan at Accept You will answer that. And uh, otherwise, we'll try and answer it. Okay, we have a student question for you, Manya. If your interests are rather mainstream and provided at most colleges, what kind of a course should you then talk about? And this is very valid as a question, Mania, because, you know, like I said, computer science. Then mm -hmm. how do you do the research and how do you talk about a specific? Right. I think in these cases that often, so this wasn't my situation. Uh, I was applying for public health, which is a lot more specific. But I think in these cases, at least from my um, less educated opinion, is that there's a lot of room to find specifics that you can say are really great. And there's a lot of room to appeal to other things at that college that you can claim are completely right for you. Um, so just to go a little bit into detail on both of those, for the former, I think that's like the professor thing, right? Like if you are applying to study CS, but you've personally done research into, or, or have like a lot of experience with digital media design, then maybe you can find colleges with like, specific programs or minors or uh, program tracks that have to do with that specifically. Like Penn has a digital media design program or like a networks and uh, something program. 
and uh, I know a lot of other colleges will also have like really specific minors or uh, things like that that you can end up finding that you can then say is why that place appeals to you. Another possible approach is because I think while the specifics are great, they don't make a great model case and like an emotional case, you can find some like bigger thing that's very impressive about that place's department. Like if you're applying to a school and Maybe right now their CS department is not like other places CS departments, but you can look to like the history a little bit more and find something about, I don't know, like maybe this was the first place to admit women, or maybe this, um, they discovered something that you think is really cool, and that makes you very excited about them, and excited about the innovation culture at this place, then that's both a way to demonstrate specific knowledge, but can also be like more, like you can sort of see how someone a student would be really inspired by that and would want to apply here. And having that sort of storyline can work in those cases, in which case doing more sort of parallel research as to that place's history, et cetera, rather than the details of that program can also help. Those things obviously work better when done together and make sense if, like, if you're applying to a school ED. I think, thirdly, you can also just do something surprising about something you love about that school that's very unique, even if it's not programmed related. For instance, in my fan essays, and this is something that people who reviewed that essay, and I think my AO really ended up liking, was that fan has an extracurricular essay as well. And I didn't have anything in my application that was related to like creative writing or uh, like the arts. And it was very much like um, social work, medicine, etc. But this ended up in my extracurricular essay, I talked A about debate, which made sense, but B about this place at Penn called the Kelly Writers House, uh, which is, uh, it's a literal physical building, uh, but it, I found it so lovely. And it was just a building wherein they hold a lot of like events wherein they will call writers in, or it's open to the wider Philly community. There's a lot of really great like writers and artists that will visit or will be writers and residents there. And, but more specifically, it was just really wholesome. And like a lot of people in videos talking about Kelly Writers House, so say it felt like home on campus and that you could just sit in on the green couch there and listen to people talk about their art. And it just generally had a really creative uh, atmosphere and a very welcoming atmosphere. And I talked about that in my essay and I wasn't applying to anything related to that, but I think it still shows that like A, you know the place, but there's, something emotional that ties you to it. So I think you need to serve the parallel purposes of clearly this program is a better fit for you than other programs and showing to them that you just want to go for whatever reason that might be and that you can do in a bunch of other methods. Mahesh, did you have a question? Because I can see you raise your hand, but... Um... Yes. Uh, good evening, Mania. Very, very insightful session. I'm a parent. Your first slide mentioned about the fit, and you mentioned things like uh, college size, location. Now, when we have been researching colleges, the size and location, look for, when you say location, we typically, at least from India, we think of whether, whether, whether it is too cold or is it, uh, uh, but when it comes to size, we really, we're at a loss as to what is the right thing for us. Do we want a big place or a small place? What are the pros and cons? 
because somehow that comparison never comes up here uh, when we are studying over here. Yeah. So I think uh, so if you could just generally you know touch upon these things as to what what are the pros and cons of these uh, various uh, parameters that you discovered on your way that would help. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Dr. Jaleen. you answer the question and then I will also take it to explain why big, why small, and how it should fit. But you first talk about your journey. Sounds good. Uh, I, at the end, ended up applying to a mix of school sizes because it didn't end up being the most important thing to me. But when making my final decision about what school I want to attend, uh, so for context, the main schools I was picking between were Amherst, Dartmouth, Hopkins, and then it ended up being a fairly big criterion. Uh, and I, I think there's a lot of articles online wherein you can uh, get information about uh, why small or why big schools, specifically even for different like areas of study. But I think the biggest thing it boils down to is what the student would do better in. And it's a very, very student-specific thing. Like some students will just flourish in a school which has 30,000 people, wherein you have a, maybe a lot more going on in terms of there's a lot more majors offered, or there's a more specific majors offered, or the number of faculty members yeah. master, uh, or maybe they have like more research labs. Um, on the uh, and the initial class is a, and there might be like a greater number of classes offered. So maybe for a student who's really self-assured and like they know exactly what they want, or they feel confident that they know the resources offered at this school and they'll be able to sort of more independently navigate it, then those can be that 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 might be a reason to consider those options. On the other hand, uh, with smaller schools, like they can be they can just often have a really strong sense of community in that because they're small you end up seeing the same people a lot so that's an often easier place to make sense even if the number of people is lesser or while the number of research labs might be smaller because they don't have grad students often they will un involve undergrads in research at a much deeper level and it's easier to like actually connect with faculty when you're starting with like even your introductory econ class of 30 people compared to like 200 people at Penn. Um, and so there's, none of them is necessarily better, right? And uh, for some people, this might be a place that they'll feel more confident in, that they'll type more in, while for some people, this might be the case. And I think the bigger thing for this is rather than just doing the research, thinking about what your students feel like they would like more. And if they're unsure, then they can apply to a mix of sizes and make that decision when they're actually deciding where to attend. Absolutely, Mania. I was coming to that exactly. It's about who you are, not about what the college is. And I think a larger than not time, your accept you counselor does manage to judge you. You know, assuming you are meeting on time, assuming you are interacting, you will notice that they start pushing certain names towards you. That's because they personally feel maybe you're a small liberal arts college, maybe you're a public university. but if you're absolutely unsure, like Mania said, pick up a variety of all. When you do get in, then do your research. So I think we are at pretty much the end. Mania has given more than a long hour of full conversations. So um, thank you, everyone, for being a part of it. I do want to remind you, children, we have the Instagram uh, for India specifically, acceptyou.india, I think. It's acceptyou.india. 
please make sure you follow it because these private webinars we cannot keep sending and broadcasting it to you each one of you we're going to start doing it only via insta so make sure you follow us right now i think it's here accept you dot india so you can insta facebook whatever you all are using if you all have any further questions for mania whatsapp it to ninath and we will have them answered students those who don't know ninad and are probably not our students but are some people who know mania you can email it to us on this email address and we'll have your questions answered and of course you know at any point of time whatever you all need students let us know and we'll try and organize a webinar on behalf of all my students and parents mania i want to thank you again i know it's very tough for you to take out time you've not a moment to breathe since you've been here but thank you so much for this mm -hmm. uh thank you i hope it helped and uh, 100% it's not possible that it didn't okay. if there's any questions i would be happy to take them um is that after me specifically that as well cool uh all right bye 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 thank you everyone